First Peter chapter three, y'all. First Peter chapter three. We've talked for the last several weeks about the word submission, and we've talked about the fact that a Christian should be submissive to the government and governing officials. The Christian should be submissive to their employer. And then last week we talked about the fact that wives should be submissive to their husbands. And by way of introduction and review, we talked about last week that God's ordained three institutions. He's ordained the home, he's ordained the church, and he's ordained government. And the oldest of these institutions is the home. And God ordained the home in Genesis chapter 2 when he said, male and female, man and woman, shall leave their father and mother, cleave to one another, and become one flesh, one unit. And thus, that's God's plan for the home. And we talked about our text last week. Let's go ahead, let's read that again. Romans, First uh, Peter chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. First Peter 3, beginning of verse 1. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to a weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. And we talked last week that Wives are to be submissive to their husbands. And I do want to remind us that we're not talking about a husband and wife or a man and woman standing before God. In Jesus Christ, we all stand before him as his children. Galatians 3.28 tells us there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. In front of Jesus Christ, we're, there are just two groups of people, saved and lost. And if we're saved, we're God's child. There's no such thing as the saved and the super saved, or the saved and the uber saved. We're either saved or we're lost. However, we did say that out of the three institutions God has ordained, Though two of those institutions, God has given us an order or roles that we accomplish. And those two institutions are the home and in the church. In the home and in the church, there are certain roles that male and female, man and woman, husband and wife, are to uh, fulfill. We talked about this last week, the fact this command is similar to Peter's previous commands. He says, likewise... 
just like we're subject to our governing authorities, we're subject to our bosses, wives, should also be subject to their husbands. It's very specific. He says, likewise, wives, be submissive or be subject to your own husbands. He doesn't say you need to be subject to every other husband. He doesn't say here, women, be submissive to men. He says, wives, be subject to your own husband. This command does not depend on the spiritual status of the husband. Because it says, even if some don't obey the word. We talked last week. In context, this is probably talking about these first century women who have came out of pagan worship and become Christians. Peter is telling them, don't let your husband stop you from being a Christ follower. Don't let your husband keep you from doing what Christ wants you to do. As a matter of fact, it is possible with the way that you live your life, you may convert that lost husband to Jesus Christ by your lifestyle. Uh, you might do that not with your words, but with your conduct. Chaste, pure conduct, accompanied with respect. Then it reminds wives, don't focus on the wrong things. Don't focus on outward things. Reminds you again, this is not a prohibition for a woman to cut her hair or to wear jewelry or to wear nice clothes. That's all all right. The problem comes when that's where we put our focus. When we put so much time on the outside that we fail to nurture the inside. I talked about last week that, that new survey from Skin Store, more than 3,000 women found that the average woman in the U.S. spends around $300,000 on makeup during her life. And while that may or may not be accurate, that might just be that group of women, uh, we do spend an, an inordinate amount of time quite often on the outside, don't we? Uh, be, take a look at commercials for men and women, and we'll find that most of them, once you get past the... Did y'all know the water's bad at Camp Lejeune? Uh, once you get past that and uh, you get past the Medicare updates, quite often our commercials are about making us stronger, prettier, younger, uh, whatever to make us be better and and we try to focus on the outside we need to learn to focus on the inside focus on a gentle quiet spirit verse 4 which is very precious in the sight of God that's very countercultural today isn't it our society says be loud our society says be proud God says a quiet and gentle spirit is precious to God I've got a question. Who should we be about pleasing, God or man? Shouldn't it be God? A Christian walk quite often goes against what culture says. Uh, my dad told me one time, he said, don't follow the majority, son, because the majority is usually wrong. Amen. And, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of truth uh, to that. Uh, we need to learn to follow God. Inward, inward price, it's valuable. It gives us examples in verses 5 and 6. Those women of old, Rachel and uh, Rebecca and Hannah, those women who were quiet, gentle, submissive, but yet God holds them in a high place. Y'all, don't let anyone tell you that Jesus and God are anti-women. 
God, Jesus, the Bible holds women to a high standard and to a high value. And we'll get into that a little bit more in just a little bit. Specifically in verse 6, Peter calls out Sarah by name. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Uh, this goes back to the book of Genesis, chapter 18, verse 12. Uh, and it talks about the fact that Sarah was submissive to Abraham. And, and this tells us that, and scripture tells us that Sarah was a very good-looking woman. Even when she was 65 years old, Pharaoh wanted to take her for his. She, she was good-looking and uh, but Peter points out what made Sarah attractive was not just her outside looks, but her inside looks. She was submissive. But then Peter flips the script, and he talks to husbands, and that's where we're going to spend a majority of our time this morning, talking about husbands, men, the kind of husbands we ought to be. Uh, and I start this lesson by asking guys, this. Husbands, are you the kind of husband that makes it easy for your wife to be submissive? Are you the kind of husband that makes it easy for your wife to be submissive? Look what verse 7 says. He gives us a description of a godly husband. Husbands likewise, dwell with them with understanding giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers might not be hindered. First of all, he says, dwell with, to live with. Can I tell you something that's kind of obvious? Fellas, if we're going to live with or dwell with our wives, that means we have to be home. Uh, a lot of guys want to spend their time with the fellas. They want to spend their time playing golf or fishing or doing whatever, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to be re to remember if we are married, we probably ought to go home, amen? We probably ought to live with our wives. We probably ought to dwell with our wives. We need to be there. We need to spend time with our wives. And you say, well, I don't like to do the things she does. Can I say something that's going to sound a little bit harsh? And I don't mean for it to sound harsh, but if you don't like doing things your wife likes to do, can I suggest to you that you do it anyway? Well, why do I want to do that? Why do I want to go to yard sales? Why do I want to do this? Why do I want to do that? Because your honey likes it. What does your wife do for you that she might not want to do? Does she spend time with you doing things you like to do because you like to do them? I'm pretty sure Marie's not crazy about fishing. But she goes with me. Marie's crazy about Kentucky basketball. 
And I'm a Commodore fan, and I got a chance finally yesterday to say, Go Commodores. But you know what? Marie and I have gone to a Kentucky basketball game, not because that's what I just wanted to do, but Marie wanted to go, and so we went. We, Y'all dwell with your wives. Live with them. Build a life together. What makes a home? All the way back in Genesis, a man and a woman leave their father and mother, and they cleave, live with, grab hold of each other. Y'all, this is more than just the marriage bed. This is a life that you're living together. We need to be the kind of husbands where our wives want to spend time with us. We don't want to be the kind of husband where the wife says, what are you doing today? And he goes, I'm going to play golf with Bob. And she says, thank the Lord. Fellows, we're to dwell with our wives, live with our wives with understanding. King James says, dwell with them with knowledge. What does that mean? It means we're to know our wives. How well do you know your life, your wife? Do you know her favorite color? Do you know her hobbies? Do you know what she likes to do? Do you know what kind of movies she likes to watch? How well do you know your wife? You know how you learn to know somebody? Spending time with them and paying attention. Now I'm the I've got I'm preaching to me too because I'm the world's worst about paying attention to detail. Yesterday when I helped uh, Leandra move, so I was gone most of the day. And Marie worked really hard around the house, and we sat down last night in our in our office, and she said, "What do you notice?" And I said, "Well, I noticed that you changed the the table was on this side of the recliner, now it's on this side of the recliner." And she says, "What else?" Y'all, when she says, "What else?" You know you're in trouble. <laughs> and I'm looking, and I. <coughs> She had moved a whole other piece of furniture in that room and swapped them around. Now, in my defense, they both had mirrors on them, so I didn't. I saw the mirror. Fellas, we need to open our eyes and look. Don't be like the fellow that says, "Honey, did you get a new haircut?" She said, "Yes, three weeks ago." Honey, did you get a new dress? Well, I've had this dress for six months. Live with, dwell with your wife. Now, remember the question we asked? Husbands, are you the kind of husband that makes it easy for your wife to submit to you? We need to learn to live with, dwell with our wives with knowledge, with understanding. Husbands are expected to know and understand some things. What are we supposed to know and understand? First of all, Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Jesus Christ loved the church. Husbands, we're to love our wives. We're to love our wives like Christ loved the church. Well, what does that mean? That means, first of all, that we're to be willing to give our life for our wife. You say, now hang on a minute, preacher. That's getting kind of personal. You quit preaching and you started meddling. 
Guys, we need to be willing to die for our wife. But can I tell you that giving your life for your wife is more than just being willing to die for. It means that the life you're living right now, you put your needs on the back burner for her needs. You spend your life helping her live her life. And do you notice something with this? Wives, if you're submissive to your husbands and meet his needs and try to be a good wife for your husband. And husbands, if you love your wives as Christ loved the church, dwell with them, live with them, give your life for them, you're meeting their needs, guess what? Both of our needs are met. Just like a husband all doesn't want to come home from work, and necessarily hear everything that's going wrong for the wife. I got news for you, fellas. Your wife's not crazy about listening to everything that went wrong in your day either. But can I say this? If wives, if you're living for your husbands, husbands, you're living for your wives, take time to listen how their day went. Because that's important. I understand you might want to be doing something else more. But can I tell you, wives, the greatest investment other than Jesus Christ, the greatest investment you'll ever make is to your husband. And husband, outside of Jesus Christ, the best investment you'll ever make is to your wife. And can I tell you this? If you're the kind of husband you ought to be, and wives, if you're the kind of wife you ought to be, both of you working together with Jesus Christ and God in the center, you'll be the kind of parents you ought to be. And you'll have a godly home. Because nearly every marriage counseling that I've ever done, the basic problem roots down to selfishness. The husband or the wife won't, the, word, the wife wants me to fix the husband. The husband wants me to fix the wife. And it's amazing what you can do when you get a wife focused on being a good wife. And you can get a husband focused on being a good husband. And they start working together to fulfill God's plan for the home. Instead of listening to what society says husbands and wives ought to do. Society tells husbands and wives they ought to take separate vacations. They ought to spend as much time apart from each other. While I understand there may be certain situations that may cause for separation, can I tell you the best way to learn to know somebody is to spend time with them? To be with them? And it might not always be comfortable. It might not always be easy. But if you both have the same goal, and that's to be godly husbands and wives. You'll do the work together. Dwell with your wife. Give your life for your wife. And I tell you what else, living for your wife as Christ loved the church and lived for the church. Not only did Jesus give his life for the church, Jesus was faithful to the church. Has Jesus Christ been faithful to you?
I talk about men and women. When times have gotten tough, has Jesus always been there for you? Husbands, we ought to always be there for our wives. Be faithful to our wives, not just physically, but emotionally, with our time, with our resources, with our, with our care. Peter reminds us, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Can I tell you here, this refers to physical strength. It does not refer to intellect, courage, or spiritual strength. Peter is not saying, husbands, be the head of your wife because you're smarter than your wife. He doesn't say, husbands, be head of your wife, be subject to or let your wife be subject to you because she's more courageous than you are. Or she's more spiritual than you are. Can I let you all in on something? Some of the smartest, most courageous, most spiritually minded people I've ever known were women. But Peter reminds us, fellas, that we're bigger than our wives. We're stronger than our wives. If we're not careful, we can hurt our wives physically. And this is a direct reminder, and I think it's a command, to live with your wife as the weaker vessel. Husbands don't need to be smacking their wives. They don't need to be smacking their kids around. That doesn't make them big. That doesn't make them strong. I said a while ago there is a time for separation. When things start getting physical and dangerous for a, a woman and a child to live in their home, they may need to separate. Now hopefully, apart from one another, that husband and wife and family can work things out so that maybe they can get back together in the future. But husbands, contrary to what this world says, contrary to what this world believes, there is a difference in male and female. I am all for women getting the same pay as men if the women are doing the same job as the men. But let me tell you what's happened today. Where the sexual revolution that started in the 60s Then the feminist movement grew out of that. And now you keep going down that road. First it's women are underneath men. And then it's women are equal to men. And when you take that all the way to the end of the road, it says women are no different than men. So we've got women claiming to be men, men claiming to be women. We've got men who are identifying as women playing in women's sports, and frankly, running women's sports. I know this isn't a popular message in our world, but you know what? I know what my Bible says. And my Bible says men are stronger than women. There's a difference in men and women. Husbands, we ought to treat our wives 
with understanding. Understanding we're different than they are. Y'all, did y'all know that men and women are different? Uh, They're different. And can I tell you what I've learned about women in 59 years? You guys ready for this? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> and a woman, if a man says they've got women figured out, run. Because they're probably not married. And women who say they have men figured out, we're different. God created us male and female. He made us with different physical characteristics. He made us with different emotional makeup. It's not saying one's better than the other. Before Christ, we're all equal. But we have roles. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Treat them as the weaker vessel. But also here in verse 7, it says to give them honor. This word honor means to give or to assign. Honor involves the idea of that which is precious. That which is of high value. The husband is to assign to his wife the honor of being precious and of high value in his sight. Husbands, can I tell you, you ought to go out of your way to tell your wife and to show your wife that you are glad she's your wife. I got news for all of us. Fellas, our wives could have done better than us. Amen? She chose you. Are you thankful for that? So many husbands spend time cutting their wives down in front of their friends. But let me tell you what my wife did. And they roll their eyes. Let me tell you about my old lady. Now, wives are guilty of that as well. I despise that term, old lady and old man. Just because to me it doesn't show respect. Fellas, be glad your wife chose you. This fellow one time tells his wife, We're going to do such and such thing with our money. And the wife said, well, why are we going to do what you say? And he says, because I'm smarter than you. And she said, well, that must be true. She said, you married me and I married you. (laughs) Think about that. Ladies, gentlemen, when times get hard, Can I ask you to go back and remember why you married yourself? Sometimes (laughs) life gets in the way. And can I tell you, having a happy marriage is not easy. Unfortunately, there are just as many quote-unquote Christian marriages that end in divorce as non-Christian marriages. That ought to be a big difference. But marriage isn't easy. But as Christ followers, 
Wives, we need to be the kind of wife God wants us to be. Husbands, we need to be the kind of husbands God wants us to be. Why? Look at the end of verse 7. We are heirs together. Fellas, I want you to look at your wife. And wives, I want you to look at your husband. And I want you to remind yourself that your wife and your husband, y'all are joint heirs in the kingdom of Christ. Not only is your wife or your husband your spouse, your wife and your husband, if they're both believers, y'all are brothers and sisters in Christ. There are Christian spouses that treat their husbands and wives way different than they treat other brothers and sisters at church. We are joint heirs together. And I don't know how heaven's going to work out. I know there's no marriage in heaven. Scripture says that. But I still believe the relationships that we have here on earth as far as our Christian spiritual relationships we're going to carry on our relationships in heaven. I don't know exactly how that's going to work out. But we're going to spend eternity with each other, y'all. And kind of like somebody says, well, I don't want to go down there to church because of all the hypocrites. The answer, I've got two answers to that. Number one, I'll say there's always room for one more. That usually doesn't work out so good. So what I've kind of learned to say is if you can't spend an hour with them in the church house, how can we spend an eternity with them in heaven? Because all of us are just sinners saved by grace. Amen? We are joint heirs. And then look what Peter says. Not only are we joint heirs to the grace of life, husbands, we need to be good husbands so that our prayers aren't hindered. But what does this mean? Did you know that the way you treat your wife is directly connected with the fellowship that you have with God? If your fellowship with your spouse isn't what it ought to be, your prayer life's not going to be what it ought to be. Because your fellowship with God isn't what it ought to be. I've said many, many times, the book of 1 John attests to this. If you can't get along with your brother and sister in Christ, you need to first look at your relationship with God. Because it says if you love God, you're going to love your brother and sister. But an interesting thing about this word your, in verse 7, we don't see this in English. But in Greek, this your here is plural. He's talking both to husbands and wives. Did you know, husbands, wives, the way we treat our spouses is directly proportional to our fellowship with God? Our spiritual walk is going to be hindered if our home life's not what it ought to be. This word hindered literally means cut off. What does that mean? Peter says, if we're not the kind of spouse we ought to be, our prayer life to God is cut off. 
That's pretty strong language, isn't it? That gives us another reason to be what we ought to be. So we can learn from Peter that how we conduct ourselves as husbands and wives can have a direct bearing on our personal relationship with God. If wives are to be considered very precious in the sight of God, if husbands are to keep open the avenue of their prayers to God, then we need to learn to apply the principles of this passage to our lives. Wives, go home and reread verses 1 to 6. Husband, go home and reread verse 7. And y'all, I know wives have six verses and men have one. That may tell us what God thinks of the intellectual capacity of men and women. Maybe women can handle the six verses. That one's plenty for us men. But can I tell you, there's just as much packed in our one verse husband as the six verses above. If we do that, if Marie and I Husbands, you and your spouse. If you live to be the kind of spouse God would have you to be, you can be joint heirs together of the grace of life. Isn't that cool? Man and a woman, old man and a couple, man and woman are eating in Burger King. And a guy sees them eating and they're sharing a burger, fries, and a drink. And they cut the burger in half. They split the fries. They got a cup and they split the, the cup. And this guy noticed that they split things. And he uh, said, well, y'all, I can buy y'all another hamburger and fries and drink. I can buy you a meal so you both have a meal. And, and they said, no, we, we share everything. And he watched them a little more and noticed that the man watched the woman eat. And she he wasn't eating anything. And so he said, are you sure that I can't buy, I don't mind buying you a burger and fries. And the man said, no, I, I said we share everything. She has the teeth first. <laughs> Y'all will get to that in a minute. <laughs> I want you to think spiritually. Husbands, wives, you shared good times together, right? You've shared bad times together, right? What a privilege it is to share the grace of God together. Maybe you hadn't been the kind of spouse you ought to be. I haven't always been the husband I ought to be, and you can, if you're honest, you haven't either, and wives, we all probably, none of us have been perfect.